Let's look to the Lord in prayer as we begin the service uh, in the Word of God today. Lord, we want to thank you for your truth. We want to pray that you would speak to our hearts, help us to understand, and not just understand, but motivate us to live by your truth. We commit ourselves to you and pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding and empower us to live the life that pleases you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I'm not sure when it, the word serve comes, uh, what comes into your mind, right? Sometimes people think of service, you know, requesting someone's service. Uh, the passage that we're reading today from Mark's Gospel uh, talks about the fact that the disciples were not actually very willing to serve one another. Instead, they wanted to be greatest, and that's why um, in the passage that we read in the scripture reading and in the passage now that we're going to be reading, uh, Jesus uses an example of a small child and talks about the reality that uh, God receives us not because of the strength of our power or the wisdom of our intellect, but he receives us because of our heart, and we need to be like little children that come to him. Um, I think that the scripture clearly tells us it's not just serving, but the heart behind the service, how we are motivated to serve. And oftentimes, um, I want to check my own attitude, and I want to encourage you, check your attitude. Uh, what is your motivation in serving? You know, we see the small uh, child up there uh, probably not doing a super effective job vacuuming, but nonetheless, there's an age um, where children want to help. Do you remember that? Uh, I remember when my mom was sick, uh, I thought that I would help, and I would help with the, the dishes. Uh, did any of you have those Tupperware cups? Uh, so they would float. So I got, we had a double sink and uh, the dirty water and the clean water, and I would play by making the cup pop up in the water. And it probably took me like 45 minutes to do, you know, dishes from dinner, from dinner but it didn't matter because uh, they wanted to encourage me to have a heart to serve. And um, I want to encourage you, if you have small children or grandchildren, uh, maybe they're not going to get the task right. But if they have the right heart, you should recognize that and even help them. And, um, you know, sometimes, for example, you know, vacuuming the carpet or washing the car, you might have to go back and do part of it again. But at least you involved them and you taught them that it's the heart of the issue that is most important. So uh, as we serve as believers, uh, we need to check what is our motivation. I love this verse. Uh, you can see it there from the New Revised Standard Version. I chose it because it uses uh, these uh, words. For the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one, Jesus, has died for all, therefore all have died. So in the word, it's actually like it, it constrains us, but it constrains us to get us moving forward. So we receive God's love and then it motivates us to do what pleases him, and that is serving one another. Jesus died for everyone, so then we uh, would be able to serve with a heart to see people touched. Uh, Jesus died to forgive us. Uh, his love motivates us to serve others. So now let's turn to the passage in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9 and beginning in verse 30 as we continue. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee. 
he did not want anyone to know it, for he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise the third day. So um, this is kind of a new understanding that he is going to suffer, but also he is going to resurrect from the grave. Um, and it reminds us that he came not to live for himself, but to give his life as a sacrifice for us. So if he did that, leaving the perfection of heaven and coming to earth, we also then should have the heart to serve one another. Uh, he says the Son of Man is being betrayed. Uh, have you ever been betrayed? It's a, it's a process that really causes pain. It hurts you when someone uh, comes against you and even tries to get you in trouble uh, for something that you're not guilty of. It says the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise the third day. Uh, so I first want to focus upon the fact that he's betrayed. One of the betrayers is Judas, who betrays him to the priest. And then the priest, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, betray Jesus into the hands of the Romans. He's being betrayed into their hands, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. Um, crucifixion was one of the worst types of death that was designed uh, in that era. Uh, it was really like a torturing that caused a person to become so weak that eventually they would suffocate. Um, there's an article that you can find online from the National Library of Medicine. It says, in antiquity, meaning in the time past, crucifixion was considered one of the most brutal and shameful modes of death, probably originating with the Assyrians. Uh, so that's the modern-day area of uh, Iran and Iraq and the Babylonians, it was systematically used by the Persians in the 6th century BC. The Romans perfected crucifixion for 500 years until it was abolished by Constantine. Constantine had, uh, he and his mother had an encounter with the Lord and he made some big changes and he abolished it in 337 AD. But notice that phrase, right? It's considered one of the most brutal and shameful modes of death. Uh, Jesus said they will kill him, speaking about himself. But he also said in John's Gospel, chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Taking again speaks of the resurrection. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. So we see that this means that it's part of God's plan, right? Even before the world was created, before people erred and went astray in sin, um, they already had the plan, the Father, the Son, to have Jesus come to give his life. Uh, it says, no one takes it from me, right? So... Though the Romans were the ones that actually killed Jesus, he laid it down. He had the power to lay it down and the power to take it again. Uh, we know what real, is, what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us. I like this uh, translation in the New Living Translation. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up 
our lives for our brothers and sisters, right? Are you doing that? Or do you get annoyed when you have to serve somebody? Um, you know, some people are not as easy to serve as others. Uh, haven't you found that to be true? Some people are not appreciative. And our culture teaches us that if we serve someone, we kind of want to thank you. We want recognition. But um, when Jesus gave his life, no one was there to thank him for doing that at that time. In the translation that I often read from, uh, 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Right? So uh, it involves a sacrifice. Sometimes it's difficult to deny yourself and to serve somebody else. Um, a pastor that Martin and I used to learn from, he would always say, you can never outgive God. Have you found that to be true? Uh, but we can give as God has given to us. You know, uh, I can't give more than God has given to me. He's given me uh, the gift of salvation through faith as Jesus died on the cross, but I can give to others because God has given to me. Uh, Jesus also mentions that he'll rise on the third day in Mark chapter 9, verse 31. Uh, this reminds us, as we read in John's gospel, that he lays down his life, but he has the power to take it up again. Uh, Jesus was not overcome by death, but Jesus defeated death. And uh, some of you have probably seen uh, Narnia, right? And um, I think they did a good job with, uh, what was the lion's name? Aslan? Aslan. That, uh, you know, where he gave his life, then what happened? The altar cracked, and then he came back in power. And for sure, um, the empty tomb speaks of the victory of Jesus over death. In uh, the book of Hebrews, uh, it says that he died once and for all, when he offered up himself. Uh, so Jesus speaks in advance. He says that he's going to rise on the third day. Uh, let's remember, uh, death is a sorrowful process because on earth we have a separation from the person that we love. But as a believer, uh, death is not really the end of the story. It's just a transition. Um, I like to say the person graduated, right? They, they graduated from the sufferings of this earth and they entered into the Lord's presence. Um, it is a sorrowful thing, though, when you have to say goodbye, isn't it? Jesus said, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after he is killed, he will rise up the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. Uh, I want to focus upon this phrase, afraid to ask him. Um, many times people think that, you know, God is far away. Maybe he doesn't understand the strength of my emotions. But I found from reading the scripture and from my own life that you can bring any emotion to the Lord. Um, and we can have confidence that we can ask God. When we ask God, we're not really to be challenging God but instead we're asking to have a better understanding and then to be changed by God. Um, and some of you, you've gone through difficult things. Uh, you ask, maybe the answer doesn't come immediately, but he does reveal the answer so that you then understand, and as a result, you are changed. Uh, Jesus actually encourages us to ask. Um, you might not be able to see it, but in Luke chapter 9, from verse 9 through 13, 
Jesus says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. For if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If you then being evil, meaning with a sinful nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Uh, I love this because uh, it tells us the nature of our Heavenly Father. He is good and He knows how to give good gifts. And in that category is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're lacking, if you're suffering, if you're in sorrow, remember that Jesus calls the Spirit the Spirit of Comfort, right? The Comforter. And He will understand our heart. We can ask Him for help. We can ask Him to understand why. Not that we're challenging Him, but that we would be changed through that process. Continuing in Mark's Gospel, now uh, there's a little bit of a shift because we read that He came to Capernaum. So He's in the area of Galilee, and now He comes to the specific town, Capernaum. Verse 33, And when He was in the house, He asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? Um, have you ever had arguments and you think, well, probably nobody saw it, and then you realize that someone did see it? Uh, Jesus sees all of those arguments, unfortunately, and he saw the argument among the, di the disciples on the road. They kept silent, right? That's oftentimes our response as well when we get caught, right? Uh, we're misbehaving, and then we get caught and we're just silent. They kept silent, for on the road they disputed among themselves who would be greatest. Remember the context that Jesus had just gone up on a high mountain. He was shining, um, and he was talking about his kingdom. Uh, and the disciples were expecting that he's going to come and establish his kingdom on the earth. So they're probably thinking about who's going to be in the greater position. He sat down, <coughs> called the twelve, and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. That probably humbled him, huh? Uh, servant of all. And then it says in verse 36, He took a little child, set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them. Now let's remember that in their society, uh, children were not the main focus, kind of like our society. And... Um, Children, like maybe some of you heard when you were growing up, right? It's better to be quiet, right? To be silent and not to be seen. Well, uh, that society also didn't have a real high value on children, though of course they did believe that children were a gift from God. He took a little child, sat him there, and then even took him in his arms. And he says, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. Don't you love the compassion of Jesus? Uh, I just love picturing him, right? Healing someone's eyes, taking the little child, um, and expressing love. It says, whoever receives a little child in Jesus' name. Whoever receives little children in my name, Jesus says, receives me. Uh, one time... Uh, we were in Ukraine, and we were actually there on a missions trip before we moved there. And it was really a hot summer, and 
I didn't know hardly any words in their language, and we were doing like a children's festival outside. And um, I just noticed a lot of the people's face, because in Ukraine, you know, it's light skin, a lot of the people's face kind of getting a little bit red. So I found a big jug of water and some disposable cups, and I just started to walk around, and everybody started to smile as I gave them a cup of cold water. And then I remembered the passage in the scripture, right? If you even give a cup of cold water in my name, uh, no one will take the reward from you. Uh, we are to be motivated with Jesus' heart. Uh, that even as we serve a child, it's as if we're serving and receiving the Lord himself. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Um, the one who created the whole universe, the one who sustains everything, he has compassion for a small child. And he says, if you receive the child, you receive me. Uh, maybe just a word of application. Um, you know, our church is in the growing process, and part of that is going to be with children and uh, with uh, teenagers and young adults. And we, as more mature believers, we need to have the Lord's compassion for the young children, teenagers, and young adults. And we need to share the life lessons that we've received. And if you have the strength and the health, um, I would just encourage you, uh, pray about serving in children's ministry as that stage of our church um, begins to get stronger again. He says, uh, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So he took the child, he put them in their midst. And I also think that this is an important thing, right? Jesus uses like life examples he uses uh, living examples, but then he's also honoring the child, and he's challenging the disciples. Uh, some of us, we need to be challenged. We have too much of an inward focus. We think about ourselves too much and not how we can serve others. Jesus did address their bad attitude, but he also showed them how to be better. And, um, you know, a few weeks ago, Bart was here. Uh, he's a great personality, but he was seeing all of these small problems. And a few days afterwards, I started to get like an inward uh, complex, like I was inferior because he was like, that needs to change, this needs to change, this. And I remembered, I think it was Abraham Lincoln and others, it says, before you correct someone, compliment them. And we need to do that. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, remember, don't just bring harsh criticism but also bring encouragement. Uh, back in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 38, Jesus answered, saying, Teacher, we saw what someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. We forbid him because he does not follow us. Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For, who, for he who is not against us is on our side. So I'm not sure if there's a little break or if John just kind of switches the subject, right? Some of us are good at that. Like the Lord's kind of pressing, you need to change here. And then we switch the subject. But uh, John says, hey, there was someone uh, working, but he wasn't doing it uh, as he followed us. Jesus says, don't forbid him. Uh, no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me, for he who is not against us is on our side. Let's have a broad perspective of God's kingdom, right? He's not just working through one group. 
He's not just blessing one church. Uh, he's not just involved in one area of the world. He is working all around, and we have to remember that if other people are doing things differently than we are doing it, that's okay. Um, today, uh, we were doing communion cups. Later, uh, after the message, we'll receive communion. Someone had a different technique. That's all right. It doesn't have to be the same way each time. And if you uh, know how to do something, you can teach a person, but you shouldn't divide yourself because they do it in a different way. Jesus says, He who is not against us is on our side. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Even something simple, right? And um, we should be hospitable as people. We should have the gift of hospitality and always be willing to help people in need. It says, if you do it in the name of the Lord, if you give, you will not lose your reward. But it is important how we give. Um, and in this passage in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 6, Jesus talks about the importance of how we give. He says, uh, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deed, your good work, before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say, they have the reward. So if your motive is to be seen by other people, then that applause that you get, that's the extent of the reward. But Jesus draws a contrast. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Um, Every once in a while, most of the time, Martin and I have to be in agreement when we do things, but every once in a while, I just do something special and I don't tell her about it, right? And uh, this week, we had people uh, say, hey, are you going to be home in an uh, hour and a half? We said, sure. And something really special happened to us. I'll tell you a story another time. But they also said, hey, we did it in such a way that we don't want other people to know. We want to do it as unto the Lord. Our motivation matters. And our true motivation is the love of God. So I want to encourage you. Um, there's a beautiful and a simple prayer in Psalm uh, 139, uh, talking about our heart and allowing the Lord to search our heart. In Psalm 139, and I'll finish with this verse. He says in verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So how we do what we do does matter. And it should be because we're motivated by God's love. Like that verse that we read at the beginning, His love constrains us. It convinces us to move forward. And hear this simple prayer, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Let's look to the Lord in prayer, and then uh, Bill Hobart is going to lead us as we receive the bread and the cup. And I'll mention, if you're a guest today, we have open communion, which means that if you believe in Jesus as Savior, if you've confessed your sins before God and asked for forgiveness, uh, you can receive with us. If you haven't, we would just ask that you would uh, not partake, or even in this time of prayer, that you would recognize the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness, and then you can receive. Let's pray together.
Lord, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for this beautiful day with the snow reminding us that you can take even things that seem common and uh, renew them, refresh them, make them beautiful, that you can take what wasn't pure and make it pure. And so we just want to offer our life as a living sacrifice to you. We want to pray that you would touch our lives in such a way that we would serve with your heart of love. Inspire us by all that you've done for us. Help us to be giving as you've given us so much. And prepare our hearts as we receive the broken bread and the cup. We thank you so much. We pray for those that are suffering and those that are mourning because of uh, sickness and because of death of family members or friends, that you would comfort them. And we pray for anybody who's weak today, that as they receive the bread and the cup, that you would touch and bring healing. We thank you for your word. Help us and inspire us. Empower us by your Holy Spirit that we will live in a way to bring fruit for your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.